Welcome everyone to the First Name Basis podcast. This is our remote edition. Um, this is where we chat with special guests, industry leaders, tribal scale employees to have an authentic but informal conversation on a variety of topics, including technology. Um, I'm Sheila Jaitley, your host uh, of the First Name Basis podcast from Tribal Scale. And today I have the luxury of me chatting with Jennifer Jansen, who is the Director of Communications at Omer's Ventures. How are you, Jennifer? I'm great, thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. So you gotta explain to me, my first question when I saw that was, what, what, how, what's your role at Omer's? Like, what does Director of Communications mean? Um, it's a good question. It's, it's broadly broken up into three areas. So um, we have, as a venture capital company, we have more than 50 portfolio companies. So the companies right. that we've invested in. So probably- Kudos to you guys, by the way. You guys are like the gold standard here. Oh, thank you. Um, so the, probably the biggest part of my role is to support the, those portfolio companies whenever they need it. So mm -hmm. if they have big questions around communications or PR or crisis management, um, sometimes the smaller businesses won't necessarily have um, an in-house person to do that, or sure. it's one person and they just want to have a sounding board, someone who's kind of close enough to be able to, you know, feel comfortable talking to, we don't, there's no secrets between um, the investor and the company, but who can give you an outside view. Sure. So I probably spend, I don't know, maybe 60% of my time working with our portfolio companies. That's a great value add for those of you listening who want Omer's Ventures um, on your cap table. Yeah, we, it's actually, um, it's one of the things that attracted me to Omer's Ventures. Um, as someone who was what we call an operator, I had my own communications agency for 20 years. Okay. Um, this is a way for me to still apply the kind of consulting skill that, that I've built up over all those years, but I'm sure. doing it within a bigger company. Um, and we have people who do my role across talent, uh, community, and then growth marketing as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then a percentage of my time is spent really trying to help build the Omer's Ventures brand internationally now, because okay. the company um, has really gone through a bit of a transformation over the last few years. Um, still very much a Canadian company focused on Canada, but we also have offices now in the U.S. and in the U.K. Okay. So um, where, where we're much, it's probably fair to say, um, Omer's as a whole is less known. So um, part of my job is trying to get us more well-known and more engaged in the communities where, um, where the founders are. Right. And then the smallest part of my role, um, but equally exciting, is occasionally I'll be pulled in to due diligence when we're looking at doing an investment where um, my expertise might come in particularly handy. So I'll okay. work with the partners on that. So where do you, like most startup founders don't really come out the gates with a PR or communication strategy at all. Um, they, they're, they're really so focused on product market fit. How does one even go about to build such so such a strategy and actually start to implement it. It's interesting because I think some of the strongest founders actually do have a reputation PR communications mindset, but they, they haven't called it that they haven't articulated mm -hmm. it. Um, so they are always thinking about how to delight their customers. Um, they recognize the, the power of word of mouth. So if they have one very happy customer, that person will tell, 
10 other customers. Sure. Um, and, and so they do it quite naturally. I think when it becomes more challenging is as the business starts to scale and figuring out how you can make the external communications or internal communications more systematic and programmatic and built into the DNA of your business. Right. So, um, yeah, those are some of the conversations that I have with companies in their earliest days. So one of the things that, you know, in, in the prep to, you know, to this podcast, uh, one thing that caught me a little bit by surprise, but then when I thought a little bit about it more, it makes a lot of sense, and that's your company reputation. Um, so how, how is company reputation built? Um, I'll tell you what it's not built by first. It's, Fair. Not, it's always, always often great to know what not to do. Well, <laughs> or, when, or, or not defining it right. Yeah, I think when, when people think about um, reputation, they automatically go to PR and communications. And yes, those are tactics that are a very important part of building a company's reputation. But um, I like to take it right back to first principles and having a very clear purpose within your business underpinned by very well articulated values. Um, but most importantly, that all the behavior within your company is aligned with the purpose and values sure. is how you build a great reputation. So behavior is actually the great multiplier when it comes to building a good reputation. If you say that something is important to you, but the way that you act is not aligned with what you say is important to you, right. that's where that's where issues come about. Sure. Um, so communications and PR come a little bit further down the line in terms of how you communicate the key messages that you want to communicate to your key target audiences. But for founders at the earliest stages, I just say, make sure that you're being true to who you want to be as a brand and what you want to be known for. That's the most important question a founder can ask themselves from day one. What do I want to be known for? So it's not only, it's super important from day one for a founder to not only understand what type of product market fit, they may have not even figured out what product market fit is going to be right now when you first start out. But you're saying it's really important for founders to really start to understand, you know, what their company value should be and then express those values in everything that they do. Exactly. And what is it that gets you up in the morning? Why are you so passionate about whatever business it is that you're in? Mm -hmm. Because almost always there's a bigger motivation behind the founder starting a business. Sure. Um, they don't always articulate it. Sure. And so one of the, um, I mean, it's been around for a while now, but one of the books I always like to recommend founders read is Start With Why by Simon Sinek. I, I actually have 15, 20 copies of that in, Do you? In, 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 at, at tribal scale and we pass it around to everybody because what's the bigger purpose, right? Like, what are you exactly. actually here to do? Um, and that's what really matters. Like, and like you said, why are you getting up in the morning? And it's, you know, I, I, I think people get surprised when you talk to a lot of founders. It's not necessarily money driven. They're not doing this to go and say, hey, I'm going to go make a billion dollars and I found a billion dollar market opportunity. That's why it's usually that I found such a huge problem that I know we could go solve, which will generate us a lot of revenue. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think the same goes for when you're thinking about, okay, how do I tack PR on to this, um, this growth journey that I'm going on? And if you've done all the, if your behavior is aligned with your purpose and your values from day one, sure. communicating about it becomes a lot easier. And it starts to make sense because you start to see, um, I like to define it as you, 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 you can identify opportunity from distraction. 
-hmm. because as a founder, you're always going to get a ton of inbound opportunities. And should we do this interview? Shouldn't we do this interview? And if you're very clear on what you want to be known for and what your purpose is, it'll, it'll really aid in your decision making. Interesting. So don't just take all the opportunities that come your way because no. you know, most of the times as founders, you're like, okay, maybe I should do this. I should do some more PR. Any, any news is any, all PR is good PR at times. You know, there's the, the saying goes, so it's really tough to decide which ones you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing. Yeah. I mean, you have to take it with a pinch of salt because you can only start to really amplify your message once your message is being told in public. So certainly in the earliest days of a startup, taking every opportunity is not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, speaking, because you get feedback as well. If you're speaking to journalists, um, you start to understand where your story might not resonate, where it's unclear, and that's all useful learning. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you're having to decide where to spend your time, um, a journalist will thank you too for kind of recognizing uh, the value that you can offer their readers or their viewers, because if your story is one that will be compelling to their audience, it's going to be much more exciting for them to tell it. So here's, here's a personal question. Um, you just come in, in tribal skill. We had a ton of growth and as we started to grow, you know, we had our values. Um, and not only did we feel that, Hey, we were expressing those values, but sometimes a disconnect really starts to happen between employees feeling that you're exhibiting those values. Um, and at, at a certain point you got to say, Hey, how could you reinforce what the right value system needs to be within your organization and reward those who are following them and have a conversation with those who are not, um, which is a very tough thing to do as you're scaling a company and you're doing a whole bunch of things. But if you're starting from within, what are some key tactical things you talk to, especially a lot of the scale-ups that are in, in your portfolio on how they can do that right? Because we struggled with it a lot. And, you know, it even came up to a point where, after three years in existence, we took a step back and said, hey, the values that we started with as an organization, do they still make sense today? And had like a whole exercise to go through that. So what are some, what are some cool tips and tricks you think, especially some of these scale-ups who kind of may have gone away from what their roots are in, uh, in, 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 setting, in setting the right example? Um, what, is, what is your advice for them? Um, it's great that you use yourself as an example because you can – Hopefully you can identify with what I'm going to say. And I think there's no harm in stepping back and reevaluating what your values are. But the most important thing that comes out of that is that your values exist, whether you've named them or not. Your values basically are just the way things are done around here. And if the way things are done around here doesn't feel comfortable for a founder, that's when you really need to sit up um, and take it very seriously and kind of articulate how you want things to be done around here and then be willing to hire and fire on that basis. Right. Um, so it's that fundamental, I believe, to the success of the company. Right. Um, and then if those values are, they can't just be something that's sort of on a wall or, you know, when we're mm-hmm. used to be going into offices that you see in reception, um, they need to be ingrained in everything that you do. Um, so it means that you can have difficult conversations. So when you were talking about sort of rewarding the employees who do um, exhibit, act in line with your values versus having difficult conversations with those who don't, um, if the values are known and talked about regularly, it makes those conversations a lot easier to have. Um, And so one of the things we used to do in my business, this was before I joined Omer's Ventures, is we would have an all hands meeting every Monday and 
one of the things that we did at that all hands meeting was we had a short section called core value stories. And that was a time when employees within the company would nominate other employees for really specific things that they'd done that was aligned with our core values. Sure. And that did two things. It made, it meant that like our core values were top of mind all the time. You could have walked into the company on any given day and said, what are our core values? And everyone knew what they were because they were reiterated every week. Mm -hmm. um, but it also, to your point, rewarded employees for acting in line with those values. Yes. And they were doing it because that's who they were as a person, not because we told them they had to. Yeah, well, that's how we, I mean, again, I'll use myself as an example. I mean, that's how we kind of felt like we, we veered off. Um, we actually took a moment to take, take a step back and say, okay, if we're going to recognize people for what we're saying our core values are, then all recognition should be based upon that. And we did the same thing at our company, All Hands. When you nominate um, someone who's gone above and beyond, it has to be tied to one of the values that we have. And which value did they explicitly you know, act on for, mm. for, for that recognition? And, it worked, and that started working really well. But it was also really eye-opening for us to see you know once we grew past i guess like the small startup stage into like the hundreds of employees and then shrunk back um you know with with our learning curves also to realize hey why don't we bring the core group of people that are here and are looking forward in the business together to reevaluate what the values are and make them be part of something that's homegrown from the ground brilliant yeah i love that and the other thing to bear in mind, I suppose, as a business grows and it starts to become, um, a, it, it can start to feel like a chore to mm -hmm. look for the opportunities to reinforce those values, but it's, it's, it never goes unnoticed and it will always have an impact. And um, one of the things I used to say to spokespeople when I was working with them is, if you have a key message to get across, you should be saying it again and again and again and again for six months until you're so sick of hearing it, you're saying it in your sleep. And then you start to say it again for another six months and people will start to hear it and associate it with you. Like wow. It just, it, you have to be relentless in communicating what your expectations are. Very cool. So this, this is a tough time right now for many companies. Um, you know, a lot of the roadmaps and strategy discussions and everything they had um, got put to the side as this pandemic uh, hit. Um, what do you feel companies should be doing, not only to instill in their values, but as their like PR strategy as they move forward in this pandemic? Gosh, I, I'm not sure anyone has the answer for that. And it's something I've been thinking about nonstop for the last four or five months. Sure. Um, I do feel strongly that companies of any description are gonna be judged for the next decade probably on how they react during this time, mm -hmm. um, particularly how they reacted during those first few weeks of lockdown when it was just, um, you know, our, our heads were spinning. No one knew what was going on. And it's, it's really the first time in history that we've experienced an economic, financial and political, um, I'm sorry, economic, financial and health crisis all happening at the same time. Sure. And, and there really was no playbook for it from a communications perspective. So I view it in a couple of phases. The first phase was probably the first couple of months, just looking, listening, trying to figure out where your attention needs to go. And um, certainly for us and for many companies that I witnessed, the attention was not on kind of telling a story to the media. Right, the attention right. is much more about kind of what can we actually do to help 
our target audiences. And for us, that's our founders who sure. we've invested in. So um, we turned our attention inward to working very closely with our portfolio companies. Um, I think we're, we're kind of in a phase now where uh, there's no real end in sight in terms of when we'll get back to normal. So companies do have to start figuring out how mm -hmm. they can continue to thrive in this environment. Um, I think a lot of them have had to make really tough decisions in terms of cutting back. Right. Um, this is sort of companies in general. And, and whether that's um, cutting back spending, which often means cutting back on people, making decisions they never imagined that they'd have to make. And, and I think there are ways to do that that are hopefully aligned with the company's values where you can take, you know, you, you can do these things where um, people might have to lose their job, but they don't have to lose their dignity. And um, so how we handle it from now on, I mean, I think you just need to be, make sure that you've got your finger on the pulse of what's going on culturally. Um, so you don't appear tone deaf in anything that you might choose to communicate to your target audiences. Um, and now that, now that we're actually working in distributed teams, one of the, one of the things that I just started doing, and it's no, there's no playbook to it, I don't think, um, was, you know, just being more present, as you said, over communicating a lot more. So one of the, one of the tips and tricks that I've been doing is like a daily stand up with everyone, um, making sure you're alert there. And it's got, it's quick. It's only like 15 minutes long. And then every Friday I do ask me anything with everyone. Ask me any question there is. It's an anonymous forum. It can be tough questions, hard questions, great questions. Um, and then, and, and just go up, just keep over communicating and bring that human effect to it. And, actually listing out the problems that we're facing as an organization in front of everyone. Yeah. And it was pretty surprising that on how many people actually like say, that's not my job, but I could help be part of the solution. Um, and, and, and see, and seeing that happen. What have you seen? Like, what are cool little, I just gave a couple of tactics that we're personally using, but what are some other cool tactics you've seen within the Omen's Ventures portfolio? Um, you know, I'd love to hear founders hear from, hear, hear from you other tips and tricks that they could start to use to really be more effective communicators within their own organizations. Um, I think uh, what you've talked about, the sort of daily standups, short mm -hmm. meetings to keep us connected is something that we're hearing a lot of companies doing. Um, some of the more creative ones, especially as we've evolved into this, people are more comfortable, I suppose, or have got into a little bit of a flow in terms of using remote or working remotely. Um, we saw one of our portfolio companies that last week that did a, a barbecue over Zoom. Oh, cool. So every uh, employee was given, I guess, a budget to spend money. Um, to have a barbecue and then they all ate together and chatted together. It was purely social. Um, I saw one, another company, which isn't one of our portfolio companies, which also did something similar where they gave everybody a budget to um, spend on takeout from a local restaurant. And then they all, Support all shared. Their, yeah. Very cool. um, and then another thing that we've been trying to do, which is to support our portfolio companies is, is especially as we're bringing new companies on board who haven't had the opportunity to meet everybody in person um, or even some of i mean we're a community and our portfolio companies are a community mm -hmm. so we would have or we have held um, like a ceo cocktail hour where the founders of a number of portfolio companies that have something in common are invited together we send them uh, something to their home so that they can have whether it's a 
glass of red wine or a soft drink or whatever um, together and have this kind of in, informal conversation and connection. So people are cool. being creative. Very cool. Mm. Very cool. So Jennifer, there's a segment here that I do on the show. Um, it's for people to get to know you better. Um, uh -oh. So I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions, short answers. First thing that pops in your head, off you go. Um, so my first question, what's your favorite movie and why? Shawshank Redemption. It feels so predictable, but it, I obviously watched it at a pivotal time in my life. Haven't been able to forget it. Great choice. Everybody has a different answer as to why also. Yeah. <laughs> Very <laughs> great choice. Um, let's pro promote a small business in your area. If you're able to go out and have a proper dinner with all your loved ones, where would you go? Hmm. I'm relatively new to this area. Um, what about in your old area? Well, I'm relatively new to Canada. I don't know okay. if I told you that. Oh, no, you did not tell us <laughs> yeah. that. Where um, are you coming from? Yeah, from I was in the UK for 24 years. Okay. Yeah, so just outside London. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I can't come up with one. No worries. What about in London? Outside of London, where would you have gone? I probably would have gone to our local Indian restaurant called Boishaki. Okay, very cool, mm -hmm. very cool. Um, and then last but not least, if you could travel anywhere, where would it be? Um, South Africa, that's my happy place. Okay, awesome, awesome. All right, let's kick it back. Um, so right, we were talking, we're talking about we we're talking the reputation of companies. We're talking not only about external reputation of companies, but internally the reputation you have with your employees and your culture. Um, does that stuff matter to owners? Obviously, because they've hired you. Uh, but like, is that something VCs are looking for? Internal communications. Well, both. I mean, like, you, we're, as as we talk about like your business reputation, right? Oh yeah, matters hugely. Um, yeah, so I'm just, the work that I do is really just um, for the Ventures Group, which is a tiny group within Omer's more broadly. Sure. Um, but I, I have come to learn very quickly that reputation is really seen as, as one of our most valuable assets and particularly our reputation with pensioners. Um, so they are the reason for existence of a company like Omer's sure. um, and that has an impact in ventures. So I was, I never would have imagined when I started that I would hear the phrase, the pension promise right. so regularly. And, um, and I do. So, you know, we're a team of, or I'm not an investor, but the team is broadly made up of investors who are working at the cutting edge of technology, seeing the coolest companies and, they are the ones who regularly, when they look at opportunities, have in the back of their mind that real people's livelihoods will be impacted by our success. Sure. And uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's one of the things that drew me to so Palmer's when you're, when you're evaluating a deal, is there like a reputation score you guys are putting like uh, on your sheets when you're actually evaluating a certain company? Um, that's a really interesting question. It's... Um, <laughs> I mean, it's always back of mind, but uh, it's something that I'm, I would love to formalize. 
sure. but also there are definitely guidelines. I mean, I can't talk specifically about mm-hmm. investing because I'm not an investor, but we don't tend to invest in vices, for example. We don't, sure. we're, we don't look in, at companies where, um, yeah, which are vices. Okay. Uh, and all right. Um, so when it comes to PR, there's a, there's a couple ways of doing it. You could, as a founder, start doing it yourself, and we've talked about some of those strategies. Um, when is the point that you start looking for an outside agency like you used to run before to come help you versus hiring in-house? How, how, how does one go to assess where they are in the journey and what, what, when they should use either or? It's, there's no hard and fast rules, but, um, and, and I would always recommend starting, starting in-house. Start with a small, um, a small goal of maybe getting to know three journalists. If we're talking about media relations specifically. Um, you will know in your market who the journalists are that you look to for the stories that are interesting to you and your customers. So getting to know those journalists on a first name basis Um, not because you necessarily have a story to tell. Eventually you will have a story to tell them, but because you see a potential symbiotic relationship. So you can feed that journalist information about the market and what have you. And equally um, that journalist, because of who their target market is, is very valuable to you and the stories that they write are valuable. So engaging, if you identify say three journalists, engage with those journalists, how do you, social media. Should, you, should you cold call them and say, hey, you know what, this is the space I play in. I have some research I can share. Like, obviously, you want to give them yeah. something, right? I, I, I firmly believe in that. You should show them more value than to be like, hey, talk to me. Just please publish something about me. That's never going to work. 100%. And yeah, I think before you reach out to them, you, you need to really understand where their interest lies. Um, and I would always recommend that you, if you are going to reach out to them cold via email, you comment on a specific story that they've written, maybe you add an extra piece of insight that maybe they didn't have access to. Um, again, I don't, it can't always be self-serving because that doesn't become, that's not an authentic relationship. Right. We just always right. want something out of it. So think of it about kind of making friends. Um, engage with them on social media, make sure you follow them, like comment on their stories, amplify their stories, um, and, and start to understand how, how narrative works and how the media works. Um, I think you should also look at your owned channels, which means, you know, your website, your social media feeds, how can you get the messages across that you want to get across through the channels where there is no middleman, middle person. Um, when, when you start to grow at some point, it will become obvious that you can't do everything as a founder or a founding team. And you start to need to feel like you really need experts in certain areas. And communications is a really important area. Um, In-house makes sense. Um, For some companies, it, it really depends on the sector and how much help you need and what you need help with. So maybe it's creating content, maybe it's Um, looking at your reputation strategy. So once you've identified what you want to be known for, um, look at all the different areas in your business from um, how you pay your invoices to um, how people are greeted at reception Mm -hmm. to how you announce news. Um, And if you want to have someone that kind of owns that, maybe you bring someone in-house. Usually they'll have a lot of other jobs as well because it's quite a... um, 
I don't know, it's quite a luxury to have someone list, really list, dedicated. The list becomes large. I right? almost started calling it like customer experience. We were like, hey, it's not only our own experience of what we want to be known for. It's not only the stories we want to tell when we're external, but yeah. even down to anybody who just walks in to make a delivery within our office yes. needs to have this experience of, hey, this is travel skill. I know what they stand for and I, and I, and I feel it every time I'm in there. That's exactly it. You don't even need to be interviewing me for this <laughs> or having a conversation <laughs> with me for this because that's, you actually don't control what people think about you. Right. Um, but you can control the experience that they have. And that is how your reputation is built up. Sure. So the, what I was going to add also is in terms of agency, I think the benefit of using an agency is that you get a team kind of on tap. So, and you can turn it on and off. Right. So it's less onerous. I mean, it's better if you don't turn it on and off because momentum builds with communications over time. Mm -hmm. And when you switch it off, you go back to zero very quickly and then you sure. have to build up again. Sure. Um, but yeah, if you can, if you can find an agency partner that really gets your sector, understands you as a business, has shared values and really work with them as a partner, it can be very valuable. So Jennifer, just on that, you know, something really critical you said is you can't just turn it off and on. And so many times I see founders or I'm talking to founders and they're like, oh yeah, we tried PR, we, we paid some agency for three months and nothing happened. Um, you know, talk a little bit about what the like long tail strategy should look like and why turning it off and on doesn't necessarily work. Because at the end of the day, you're investing in people and you're investing in time and relationships to get the story out. But could you talk a little bit about like, what the right life cycle of the strategy should be? Yeah, I, I think it's actually underpinned, that challenge that you just highlighted is underpinned by a fundamental issue that, that PR has had since the beginning of time, which is it's very difficult to measure right. um, and to be able to measure the impact. So you, I'm kind of of the belief if you as a founder and founding team don't intrinsically believe in the value of it, nothing's gonna convince you because you're not gonna see, well, that's not true. You might be convinced if um, you start to do it and you see a lot of inbound leads, mm -hmm. um, but that that's kind of a, that's a consequence of ongoing communications, but sure. it's not a science in the same way that, you know, you can do SEO or paid search and directly uh, attribute spend to an inbound lead. So if, if, if one of our portfolio companies is working with an agency and trialing an agency, I often will say the, your, the results are only as good as the input that they get as an agency. So you need to be feeding them as much information as possible to help them craft the narrative that will place you um, in the best possible position to be part of a conversation that's already happening or to spark a new conversation in the media or on your own channels, ideally all linked up together. Um, and you probably, from the time you start working with an agency, you probably start to see real momentum six months in. And that can be a painful six months if you have people breathing down your neck going, why are we paying $8,000 a month? What's this sure. agency doing? So I, in many ways, I think it's only worth doing if you have someone internally who can be accountable for it and drive it and feed the agency the information that they need to do a good job. 
fair enough. Yeah, getting getting consistent buying um, across your teams is, is definitely, you know, make make the commitment that hey, you're gonna go. You're, this is gonna be the right path for you to go, and realize yeah. there's gonna be very little short term, um, you know, effects. Yeah, it's when definitely. It's, it's like putting money in the piggy bank. You got to keep putting it in, and eventually, it's gonna, yeah. it, it, it's 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 gonna play out. Um, how about like, I, I love the I love the idea of how you where we've had this conversation, and you know, just to recap a little bit about having your employees be your brand and and, and pull the presence of your brand. And one of the things that worked for us here at Tribal Scale was. Coming out the gate, our people were our ambassadors. They, they were talking about us on their own social channels. And we didn't come out with any like major guideline of like, this is what you can do, what you can't do. We just said, these are our values and exhibit our values on your social channels. And here's some material you guys could share if it's, if it's important to you. Better yet, be contributors to the material and let's all of us share. Um, you know, are you seeing are you seeing some of the some of the companies that have the better reputation right now really leveraging their own internal workforce to be that drum that marches their that, that marches this PR strategy? Hundred percent. That's exactly what I mean in terms of behavior being the big multiplier, mm -hmm. because um, the best cultures don't don't require you to communicate about certain things, right. because your people become your biggest brand ambassadors, and there's yeah. no better. Um, place to be than when that starts happening. Sure. Yeah. What's a what's a big brand or a big company that does this really well? Um, I'm putting you on the spot here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so all brands have their moments. Okay. Um, when it doesn't go so well. Sure. Um, but if you think about brands like, this isn't a startup, but Patagonia, for example. Sure. Mm -hmm. is a good one where their values are so front and center and they act in line with their values in a way that's much more bold than many other companies would. Um, Tom's, the shoe company, sure. uh, again, they've got this kind of symbiotic relationship with giving back. Um, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of companies who you will, you will actively see employees praising the company that they work for. And you can tell when it's authentic. I mean, you can also tell when they've been fed something to post, right. uh, which tends to be, uh, people like to do that because um, sometimes employees are scared and they don't want to post something that they could potentially get in trouble for, sure. not in a kind of bad way, but they just, they're protective of the company that they work for. So that's fine. Um, but the, the best companies aren't saying, they're, they're doing what you do, which is to say, hey, here's some stuff. If you want to share it and you feel comfortable, you're welcome to do that. They're not being told you must share this. Yeah, another thing we actually do is we go out there and we hear what the market is saying and we feel we know we're thought leaders, but there's not enough content on it. And so we say, hey, you know, who wants to get together to write about the, this particular topic? In our case, it could be, you know, digital transformation journeys. And here's the variety of subtopics that we know we can actually add value to and let's start creating like blogs and material that we can go put out on it. And I've, I've been blown away at the thought leadership by, by our team when they go and start doing that and just self-regulate each other and come back saying, hey, we want to publish this. And you take a read at it and you go, absolutely, it's something we should be really pounding our chest and being super happy about. It's amazing, isn't it, when it happens. We had a, an example about three weeks ago um, 
one of the associates who's an investor within our company decided that she wanted to understand how other VCs were dealing with the prospect of doing fully remote deals. So typically when you make an investment in a company, you will meet with the founder and their management team. You go to their office. A lot of it is done in person. Yeah. And we knew how we were thinking about it, but we had no idea how other VCs were thinking about it. And um, so she created a survey, went out, said it's going to be completely anonymous and asked um, investors at other individual VC firms um, and then presented the findings back to our team. It was extremely insightful. So the team said, well, hey, if, if that's your network, what if we put all of our networks into this as well? and see what we get back. And we had um, more than 150 responses and we only went to one investor at each firm. So it was wow. safely more than 150 firms. Wow. And, and we had this insight. I mean, this was nothing to do with PR, you know, PR, there is a tactic in PR around research. Sure. Um, this was just fully for our own inside knowledge. But the thing that was so beautiful that happened is um, people on the team, as soon as they, as they saw the full findings said, well, this would be really useful for the community to see, because if we were feeling like we wanted to know this information, every other VC is going to want to know yeah. this information. Yeah. And so are the founders, because the founders are thinking, how am I going to do a deal when I can't meet investors? Right. Right. So um, we wrote up a blog post and put the full deck on our website and made it available for everyone to see. Really and cool. that it's was like just, you open sourced a project here, got all the information and then put it up for the community at large. Yeah. And it was music to my ears that they wanted to do that and completely aligned with one of our, or two of our values around, or all of our values actually around being curious and collaborative and wanting to add value. So. Cool. Yeah. Jennifer, if there's one key takeaway that people should take away from our conversation here, what would you say that? Day? Be intentional about your company's reputation. Don't ever take it for granted and have that question. What do I want to be known for in the back of your mind always and let it inform what you do and how you act. I love it. I love it. You're changing my thoughts already. I got a million ideas of that. I got to jot down right after this. <laughs> Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on the first name basis podcast. Um, it's awesome to have you, have, have you help contribute to the community at large here. If people want to get a hold of you, what could they do? Um, I'm on Twitter at Jen Jansen. Perfect. J-A-N-S-O-N. Um, and yeah, I'm also on LinkedIn, so they can reach out and connect on LinkedIn. Awesome. Would love to talk, have these conversations all the time. And it, I always learn a lot too. So thank you very much for having me on. Perfect. Thanks. Um, first name basis, you can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn. Jennifer, thanks again for joining us. And thanks everyone for listening. Thanks very much. Thank you.